the, uh, Jimmy Swagger, he gives in his commentary, it says this right here is a pre-reincarnation of Jesus Christ himself. It is declared by the Holy Spirit in John chapter number 12, verse 37 through 41. Jesus has just preached out his guts to these people. He just performed miracles and mighty miraculous works before their eyes, and they still chose to believe him not. So Jesus, he quotes Isaiah and says, Their eyes, they are forever seen, but they do not perceive. And their hearts, all their hearts, they're hardening their hearts unto me. He quotes Isaiah and he said, Isaiah, he saw my glory. And he spoke of him. Jesus was in the Old Testament as a pre-reincarnation before the eyes of Isaiah. Jesus quotes him. Isaiah said, Now I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up. And it said before the throne of God in verse number 2. It said there stood seraphims. Translated from the Hebrew and the Greek over there. It says the fiery ones. They stood above the throne of God. They were six wings of creations of these spiritual beings that God created to worship and to praise His name. They had six wings. They said they had, they had two wings that covered their face. They had two wings that covered their feet. And with two wings, they did fly. The other place that you'll find in the Bible such Angelic creations is in Roman or Revelations chapter number five. It says they cried day in and day out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and which is and which is to come. They sit above the throne of God, declaring the infinite holiness of a trust holy God. Holy, holy, holy on the highest level. If we could just get a picture and a view of what Isaiah seen when he looked at God sitting upon the throne high and lifted up. And we see these angelic beings crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If we can just get a divine of what Isaiah was seeing before the very glimpse of his own eyes. Made in perfection by God. They was made to worship our God. Closest things to the throne of God that would cry holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Swaggered said, if the sinless, perfect seraphim in the presence of a trust holy God, in the presence of the Lord of hosts, if they had to veil their faces, if they had to veil their feet, and they stood before Him in His very presence, in His sight, in His glory, all oh, the majesty of the glory of God that must have shined from them, Stars and suns have nothing on the glory of God. They had to cover their faces from the glory of God. 
Swagger said it has to be hopeless. Hopeless for mankind to stand before the Lord. Has to be hopeless for Isaiah to stand before the Lord, lost and depraved in his sight. It is hopeless forever for you and for me to go and stand before the Lord on our own accord, in our own power, in our own might, in our own justification. It's hopeless. We have to know ourselves. Forget about what the world teaches you out there about yourself. Forget about what they seek inside of your children out there, who they want you to be. we got to read the Word of God and understand what does God say about us? What does God say that who we are in Him? Our righteousness. Our righteousness. All of our works are as filthy rags before the Lord. Seraphims. They cried day in and day out, holy, 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 Isaiah. Isaiah was watching this happen before his eyes. He's seen it. He was there in the midst of the vision. He felt the presence of it. He felt the very worship of God from these beings right here. The Bible says that the door closed shake. They shook. We said, holy, holy, holy. If you can just imagine how much glory and how much power was coming up out of the worship of those beasts for the Lord. It says that the door pulls, the very door pulls. You can imagine that the very foundation trembled at the fear and the presence of the Lord God Almighty in that temple. Isaiah felt the energy of that worship. Isaiah felt the praise. He's seen the temple filled with the glory. He's seen the temple filled with the smoke. The Bible says that the thresholds moved at the presence. God is going to have himself praised. When Jesus, when he was coming down in front of the Mount of Olives, and he was going in, he got up on a donkey, and he was riding in, and the multitude seen him coming. They begin to praise him, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees started crying out, Jesus, make them shut up. Jesus, don't let them worship you like that. Jesus, make them stop. Jesus looked at them. And he said, if I tell them to hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. The rocks will cry out. I do not want a rock crying out in my name. I don't want rocks crying out for my children, for my wife, for my family. I want to praise the Almighty God on my own. Exodus. 34.14 You shall not worship no other gods for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God of your worship. You give worship sometimes to your children. You give worship sometimes to that TV screen. You give worship sometimes to that sports and that entertainment. Sometimes you even give worship to that husband or that wife out there. But yet you neglect the time and the worship you're supposed to give God in your life. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1 said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the... Be ye transformed. Be ye transformed. The Bible. God wants us, them that worship Him, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Verse number 5. It says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah, he said, woe is me. When Isaiah began to realize where he was standing at in this vision, when Isaiah came to realize with the reality check of what was going on around him, he came unto himself. He said, woe, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. For I am undone. That meaning of undone means I, God's going to kill me. I deserve to be dead. I am standing in the presence of God and I'm an unclean man. I probably shouldn't be here. I'm unclean. I'm undone. I just pray God have mercy on me. When he realizes it, when he came face to face with the Lord God Almighty, Isaiah was not a fool. He came to God. He didn't come with prayer requests. He didn't come asking God for this or for that. He didn't want a new job. He didn't want a new car. He didn't want a new house. He came to God and said, Woe is me. He said, I'm a dead man. Isaiah just pronounced six woes unto Judah in chapter number five. Six woes. And this seventh woe right here, Isaiah passed it on himself. He said, woe is me, I am unclean. He came and looked at himself when he's standing in the presence of God. He said, oh God, I'm unclean. I probably should not be here. He cries out, woe is me. He sees himself. He's not trying to play it off. He's not trying to dress it up. He's not trying to make excuses before the Lord. He didn't say, I'm Baptist. I'm PCG. I've been baptized. I did this. I did that. He came to God and said, I am unworthy to be in your presence. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. I'm unworthy. I'm unrighteous. I'm depraved in his sight and in his presence. Does anyone understand? What true conviction really is. Does anyone understand what an overwhelming concern it is of understanding of what I am. What you are. Not so much of what I've done. Not so much of what I have not done. But the simple fact that we understand exactly who we are. To understand we can never make it on our own. To understand it's not by our abilities. Yes. It's not by our own power. Yes. We cannot ever make it on our own. Yes. 
understand that you and me, that all have sinned and came short of the glory of God. To understand, to see ourselves, that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. When you find yourself in your presence, anywhere that you'll ever find it, when they came in the presence of God, they know exactly who they are. And if you ever find yourself in the presence of God, you will too. And if God never had made it real unto you, then you have never been in His presence to know exactly who you are without Him. Revelations chapter number 6. They cried out and they said unto them, The rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne from the Lamb of God. They cried out and they said, Rocks fall on me. Hide us from Him that sits up on that throne and from the wrath of the Lamb of God. God has given Jesus Christ a name that is above any other name. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no doubt you will know who you are when you get in the presence of God. Revelation speaks of the elders falling down before the Lord, throwing off the crowns, throwing off them right in front of the throne, praising and worshiping God, saying that they are unworthy. They're unworthy because He's holy, holy, holy. He's worthy to be praised. Revelation chapter 5 says, John the Revelator, he started a crime. It said there was a book in the right hand of God. And there was no man. No, that word no. No means there was no man that could be found in heaven. No one of you. Nobody. There's no man in heaven that could be found. There is no man in the earth, it says, that could be found. There's no man under the earth that was worthy that could be found to open this book. There was none that was righteous. There was none that loved God with all their heart. There's none that understood anything in His presence. There's none that sought after God. There's none that had a pure heart. There is not a single one of us that was good enough that was standing there in His presence. Nobody. There is nobody worthy, the Bible says, to take that book out of God's right hand. No one who was worthy. No, not one. No man ever, any time in creation that ever existed was worthy to take the book out of God's hand. It said John, when he seen this, that he began to lose it. And he began to cry. He began to well. He began to lose himself. He knew what this meant. He knew that nobody was worthy. Not one. There was nobody around in the Bible said he began to weep much. He began to cry. He was losing it on himself. Bawling his eyes out because nobody was good enough. Finally the elder, he reached over and he said, John, stop crying and look. Just stop crying and look. He said, stop weeping. Look, here comes Jesus. The lion, the tribe of Judah, 
He is worthy and He has prevailed. He is the Lamb that was slain. He is the resurrection and the life. And though ye be dead, if you just believe in Him, if you hold on to the hem of His garments, you shall live. He is worthy, John. So there's no doubt when you find yourself in the presence of God, you will know who you are. You're going to see right through yourself. No matter how you plead your case, no matter how they plead their case out there, some of the best people are in hell tonight. There's some best people out there that I have met that I just knew. I knew they was a Christian and found out they wasn't good old folks that have pulled a shirt off their back that do anything for anybody. And there's some out there even so-called themselves Christians. The Bible, Jesus even gives us this illustration. They casted out devils. They prophesied it in my name. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. I'm telling you, God gave them power. But somewhere along the way, they lost him. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. You was out there casting out devils in my name. You was out there prophesying in my name. You was out there doing mighty, mighty works in my name. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Somehow they lost their faith. In order for you to ever be saved, you have to see yourself for what you are. In your heart, recognize that you are a sinner. That we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That we're sinners by nature. We have to realize in our heart that we're in need of a Savior. In our heart, recognize that you can only be saved one way. One way and one way only can a man be born again. And that is through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. By grace you are saved through faith. Not of yourself. Not of works. We've all got these works I did. Even Paul. Brother John was preached on this morning. On Galatians 1 and 2. If he would have hit Galatians 3, he would have been right on top of it. On top of it. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Did you receive the spirits by the work of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? He says, are you so foolish? You begin this work in the spirit. And now you perfect it in the flesh. All those old works. And we can, we can bring that right on to our doctrine today. I do the Sunday schools and I pay my tithes. And I go and I help and I build. And I give my time. And all my works. All my righteousness that I think is worthless unto God. If I don't put my faith in what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Foolish. Foolishness, Paul says. We put ourselves in a place sometimes that God never intended for us to go. We cannot ever save ourselves. We can never be good enough. We can never go enough. We can never give enough. That is not in the plan of salvation for God. We can't save ourselves. It's not through us. By us, it is only for us. <laughs> Clinton said we act like we do because that's what we are. By nature, we're sinners. 
by nature, we're lost. If we're ever going to get anywhere with God, you've got to push all that junk out of the way inside of you. All the self-righteousness, all the selfish ambitions, all the selfish pride, and come by one way, and that is Jesus Christ and the cross. What does that mean, the cross? Everybody has a different explanation, it seems like, on coming to the cross. Some of them says you've got to come by water. Other ones say that you've got to go, and then once you're saved, that you're always saved. Some of them says that preacher, you've got to confess to him. they got all these different examples of what the cross really means. First of all, you've got to see that yourself for who you are and that you're lost. Secondly, you've got to understand that you cannot save yourself no matter what you do. You've got to understand that you are indeed on your way to hell. Understand that all your good deeds are worthless. All of them are worthless. Understand that Jesus is the only thing that's ever going to be good in your life. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Jesus is the Son of the Almighty God and you've got to trust and believe that that He gave His life for a ransom for the sins of the whole world. And sometimes that's where we lose them out there. They'll see this scripture right here that He gave His life for the sins of the whole world and we do not make it a personal gospel. We don't relate it to them as a personal one-on-one gospel that it ain't me and my wife and God. It's my wife and God, and it's me and God, and it's you and God. It ain't just the world out there. It's one-on-one. You standing before the Lord all on your own. Got to make it personal. Personal because it's your sins that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. It was your sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was because your curse, He became a curse for you. It's because your sins, He paid for it. Your sins, He bled for it. Your sins that He died for it. And your sins that He said, it is finished. It's a personal walk with God. It ain't just the world out there. It's you and God. The Bible says, Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. A price that you, you could never pay. Jesus paid that price for you. Paid it in full. When Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus said, why? Why then? If I paid this price for you, I paid this price, your past and your present and your future, to have forgiveness and right standing with God, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you do not do what I say. Why do we call him Lord, Lord, and don't do what God demands us to do, to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to have a relationship with Him, a personal walk with Him. What's finished is your sin wage that was death has been paid. What's finished is when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, you owning your life 
is over. You no longer own your life anymore. When you put your faith in Christ and when you put your hand to the plow, it says you're not fit to look back. You can't look back anymore because He is your Lord and He demands obedience out of you. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He sets you free from sin. You belonging to sin is over with. You belonging to that sin nature out there is finished. You have no longer got to be in bondage. You have no longer have to be in captivity. You don't need step programs. You need a trip to the altar. No longer bound by the sins of this world. That means you don't have to live like you live. That God has set you free. The Bible says you don't have to live like that any longer. That there's some things about you that you, you, that God gave you the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and you have to put it off. You gotta put off that old man. You gotta put off that old powerful man. You gotta put off that old angry man. You gotta put off lying and malice. You gotta put off all these things of the old nature. It's your responsibility to trust in God because He gave you power. Power that's inside of you. That Christ, Holy God, lives inside of you and gives you power, and you're more than an overcomer. The Bible says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. If you have faith, you will be faithful to the things of God. And if you're not faithful to the things of God, you can't declare to a world out there that you have faith. This goes hand in hand when Jesus said, If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you love me not, then you will not keep it. The Bible says it's like a hearer. A hearer is not justified in this word, but it is the doer that's going to be justified before the Lord. So Isaiah said, woe, woe is me. He's seen himself for who he is in the presence of God. Verse 6 says, Then blew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquities is taken away, and your sin is purged. Isaiah, on verse number 8, he said also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then he said, Here am I. Send me. Now Swagger gives a pretty solid interpretation of 6, 7, and 8. Swagger says that the living coals from the offering of the burnt offering, symbolic of God's wrath. It says that the blood of the Lamb cleansed the way Isaiah sins. And the altar represented the hill of Calvary. Verse number 8 said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? A Christ, holy God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He said, Whom shall we send and who's going to go for us? 
And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah, when you read it, he's probably one of the fastest preachers I have ever read about that answered the call of God in this Bible. Answering God so quick to go out there and preach the gospel unto God's people. He wanted to preach the heart of God because the heart of God is to save His people. God wants to save you. And just like He told Isaiah, He told him to go. Go and preach. And how can we call on Him we haven't believed? And how can we believe on Him we have not heard? And how can we hear without a preacher? And how can one preach unless he be sent? The Bible said, Oh, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. If they don't ever hear it out there, they're never going to know. God has called all of us to spread this gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to die in your place. So He could turn your rags into royalty. He literally loved you. Loved them to death. That's how much God loved you. Enough to give His Son to die, to bear the cross to bear the sins of the whole world, more so ever to bear your sins in His own body. To make you sons and daughters, kings and priests. Just as He told Isaiah to go, go and preach to my people. In Mark 16, 15, He is telling us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every living creature. He says go to the gas stations, go to the grocery stores, go to the workplace, preach this gospel, lift up the name of Jesus, bring them in through the multitudes in the name of Jesus Christ. He said preach to every living creature. I even asked my dog today, and my dog, Evie, she chewed up my blankets on the bed. And I asked Evie, I said, Evie, do you accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Do you repent of your sin? And I'm telling you, she was hard-hearted. She had no response to me whatsoever. Just looked at me in my presence like she done no wrong. I'm telling you, God wants us to preach unto the lost out there. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. That means that there is just one way to be saved. That means that there's just one Jesus that a man can be saved. That there's just one cross that can cover your sins. One Son of God. One payment for the sins of the whole world. The Bible said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name thou shalt cast out devils. Thou shalt speak with new tongues. Oh yes, that baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is still real, real yes, today. Right. It's alive and moving yes. in operation in the church of the living God. That baptism of the Holy Ghost that gives us power. The Bible says to take up serpents, just like Paul. Oh, he got bit on the island and he had to shake the snake off in the fire. Nowhere in the Bible did you find somebody taking up serpents to tempt God. That's all out there in the wash. But I want you to know if you stand for God and you 
sick, they shall recover. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Holy Ghost is moving amongst us. Them that are sick in the church, it ain't only just forgiveness of sins, but it's also to heal your physical body. Not only will God heal you, but God will forgive you. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father God, I love you. Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to declare your word to a people out there, God. Lord, I pray that this word sink down in their heart, God. I ask you to move on them, oh God. Draw them that hear this message. Draw them in the congregation, God. And I ask you that you'll bless them, that you will save them, God. And Lord, I just ask you that you continue to have your way in this service. If there's anybody tonight that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now's the time. Let them come. Come. Don't wait around. Just come. If anybody needs a healing tonight, if anybody needs prayer, let them come. Praise God. God, I'm going to turn it over. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you.